This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my company, Horns of Odin. Now this week saw us release our brand new clothing range. It's our spring range. And what we've done with this collection is we've tried to put together a bunch of garments that you can wear no matter what the weather. We've got a bunch of new t-shirts. These ones I really like. We've got a Berserker Spirit t-shirt and an Ulfadin Spirit t-shirt. And what these are is that they've got a warrior in the middle and then behind the warrior you've got the spirit of the animal that they're embodying. So behind the Berserker you've got a bear and behind the Ulfadin you've got a wolf. Um, alongside that, for those of you who like something a little bit more simple, we've got just a logo t-shirt. So it's our logo on the left-hand side and that comes in a heather neve and a woodland heather. And these t-shirts are 100% organic recycled cotton. Then we've got a new jogging pant which come in the men's and the women's and we've also got a hoodie. So these are all in black with our logo embroidered on them. Again, with the hoodie, we're trying to keep in that theme of keeping things sustainable. So that's made from 85% organic cotton and 15% uh, recycled polyester. And it's um, Global Organic Treaty certified and also Fair Weather Foundation certified. And finally, I think my favorite item from this launch is we've got a brand new 100% cotton jumper. Now, this jumper is absolutely perfect for me. You can wear it on its own or you can layer it up and have a t-shirt under it and throw that on top for that little bit of extra warmth. It's really comfortable, it's really soft. Like I said, it's 100% cotton. Uh, the men's one comes in black and a beautiful olive color. And then we do a women's one, which comes in a lovely navy color as well. So yeah, just pop over to the website and check them out. Don't forget, you get that extra 10% discount off anything store-wide for listening to the podcast and for supporting the podcast. Just use Horns10 at checkout and you can get 10% off anything. Thanks for listening. Let's jump into the show. the Naughty Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, co-owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvik. Hello, everyone. Hello. Um, yeah, today we're joined by Mario Francis, who is an army veteran um, uh, uh, and a Norse pagan as well. Uh, welcome to the show, Mario. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for jumping in last minute as well. This, uh, I feel like this episode has been cursed from the start. Anybody who heard me laughing during the intro there, um, yeah, the we're, we're half an hour late recording this. Our producer has disappeared off the face of the earth, so we're trying to put this together last minute. Mateus have- has some <laughs> some wood, some guys chopping up trees and wood chipping right outside his window. Plus, plus a, like a, a whole fucking ant colony on my desk. So I don't know what's happening here. Absolutely. Mario's headset wasn't working. So we, yeah, we're really putting this together. So we apologize if it's not the same quality as usual, uh, but we'll we'll get through it and I'm sure it will be, I'm sure it will be awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, my other, my other bitch to have is I don't even have a good drink to have. Oh. I had a, I had a, I've got some, I've got mead, quote unquote. Uh, I had a company email me, which I'm not going to say the name of because this is a bit shitty, but I really want to. Um, they emailed me and asked if I'd wanted some, if we'd be interested in selling their mead. 
So I uh, did the due diligence thing of asking for some samples and they kindly sent me six full 75 CL bottles, which I thought was amazing. And then I tasted one and usually I don't do this type of thing, but this really pissed me off. So I tasted one and it didn't really taste like mead. Uh, it just tastes like a like a wine. It was like a white wine. Um, so I did a little bit of digging and thinking, tasted them all. And then realized that what these guys are doing is they're buying white wine in cheap and then putting it in barrels at their site, mixing it with honey and maybe some flavoring, and then rebottling it from there and calling it mead. Really, that really fucking annoyed me because we work we work with a, a meadery up in up in York where the guy keeps his own bees, makes his own honey, makes it all traditionally, and it's you know, and it's all legit stuff. It's, it's really nice. And then you get stuff like this that's more expensive, but not actually mead. It's just a cheap shitty mix. That, that sucks. What the hell? How can they get away with it, man? Because apparently. Um, there's no regulations around mead like there is like whiskey, gin, rum. All those are regulated by the government. Whereas mead, because it kind of disappeared for a long time and it suddenly popped up again and is, is getting popular. There's no regulations. So people can literally just mix mix wine with honey and go, oh, yeah, there you hmm. go. Here's some. And it's like the, the bottle says, oh, traditional mead. I'm like, no, it's not. No. <laughs> you can tell it's not because you can tell it's wine. So. I don't know if you're a, you're a drink, Mario, if you're uh, you're into mead. I'm having some right now. <laughs> oh, there you go. Wonderful. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully proper stuff, not uh, white wine mixed with honey. No, no. This, I get this stuff that's imported out of, um, it's Denmark, um, mm. Dance Majority, which is just great to me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, so it's one of the best ones that you can find here in the U.S., if you ask me. There are some uh, meteries here and there. There are also meteries that I haven't uh, haven't tried uh, yet. There, there's uh, what is it called? Brimming Horn out in uh, somewhere uh, over uh, east of where I am uh, that I'll definitely want to try at one point. Um, but I feel like if you like if you get store bought uh, store bought meats mead uh not meat <laughs> uh then uh then the danish stuff that you get around here is actually quite good do you get a, is there a lot of meaderies over your way obviously i mean i'm in the uk mario if you don't realize by my succulent voice um and we get we get people ordering a lot of mead sending to ship over to, to the usa so i didn't know whether it's pretty hard to get over there or if you guys just have shit mead yeah yeah, no, it's, it's it's like a handful of of like craft breweries out there, if, um, or meaderies, if um, if I'm uh, remember correctly. There's there's one up in Vermont that I want to try as well. What is it called, Gronfeld or something like that? Mm-hmm. And but but you know, the farther west you get, the fewer there are. Um, there is okay. one here in uh, actually in Boulder. But their meat is like ridiculously expensive. Like, I think it's like forty-five dollars for a very oh, wow. small bottled mead. Um, they're just go in and that's it. Do you not know who I am? I'm fucking the face <laughs> of me and see just what this store and be like. Give me mead. Just do the do the, the the Viking thing. The Viking thing, yeah. Take the mead. <laughs> <laughs> right, 
whilst I'm bitching, I, I don't know if I told you this. Did I tell you about the the Canadian meterer that uh, stole my logo and company name? What? I don't know. Where, I don't what? know if I if I if I spoke about this or not. Um, yeah, I woke up one day and like someone posted like a, a bottle of mead and like tagged Hans Rodin on Instagram, and I was like, that's not that's not to do with me. So I I, I kind of did some tracking. Figured out there's a guy in Canada who'd just like literally taken my logo, the Hans Rodin name, like the title, the, how we wrote it, and just started making me. And I was like, and just selling out there with these bottles, of, like the logo and stuff. So I, I, I to be fair, I emailed them and uh, a few other people gave them a little bit of stick and they they did change it. Um, but I was like, the, the cheek of it, it was like, oh no, I didn't realize it was a business. I just thought uh, it was like a generic image for. Like the triple horn symbol. I'm like, no, if you type in horns voting, like if you're gonna start a business, the first thing you do is type that into Google, surely. Like that that's what I do. So you type it into Google, like my company comes up the top. Like you can't get it mistaken. It's like, oh no, it was an honest mistake. I'm like, like fuck it was. No, it wasn't. <laughs> so obviously, I was I was very pleasant about it because they did the decent thing, like pretty pretty much straight away. So I was I was nice and right, and I didn't like blasted all over like social media or anything but i still it's just it's just cheeky it's just like why do your research you know it's not that hard we live in the age where everything can be found at the drop of a hand exactly just do a monicum of research to find out what's going on and there it is mm-hmm. absolutely and that was one thing that i actually said to them i was like look it's probably doing you guys more of a disservice than than anything because I don't think they were selling online it was just like a little place selling that's probably why they thought maybe I would never know because they were just selling at like little markets and whatnot and I was like look what your people are going to do is they're going to buy that look at it and go okay well I'm not going to go maybe get it from the show again so I'm going to look online and they're going to assume it's me and then come buy off me anyway so really you're kind of just shooting yourself in the foot just do your own cool thing but Hopefully they have. I haven't gone back and looked, but I, I thought that I, I told you about it, but apparently not. No, man. That I am. I'm surprised that that even happened. Like that's that's a little I, crazy. It's balls, eh? Because it's all we've we've got it all trademarked as well. So it's you know that was a nice yeah. thing to wake up to. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. So, so Mario, the the first thing I would like to start with talking about is. Uh, You've been in the military, obviously. You're a veteran. I think Mateus said, did you serve Iraq and Afghanistan? Is that right? Uh, I was in Operation Enduring Freedom. So it was around that time. So, yeah, uh, I got around 2012 and through 2016. So I didn't spend okay. too long in there. Okay. Yeah. Because um, one thing that's always interested me is the, the connection that seems to be between kind of Nordic culture of Viking symbols, I guess, and the military, whether it's, I don't think it's exclusively the US military, but that tends to be maybe where I see things online, you know, like people having the Valknut tattooed or on their hat or on the, like, I guess, patches on bags. But I, I assume it's a lot of different militaries as well. Um, I just wonder if you had any thoughts on why that might be as to, as to why there does seem to be such a connection between this culture and present active military service. 
I mean, so I, I have my theories about that. Um, you know, because I did see a lot of it while I was in. Um, by the fact that I didn't get into it until afterwards, but I saw quite a few people, and of course, there's this constant of you know, till Valhalla, it's a constant theme whenever people are getting deployed or things like that, or you know, you're going on missions or whatever. Um, but I, I would assume that there is a correlation and a parallel to what the imagined Viking raids were. You know, you, you spend all the time in the military building up this camaraderie, this trust amongst the people that you're with, even if you don't know them uh, personally. You know, you're dressed together and you are forced to work together to do everything. Everything you do, like, even down to basic training, you can't even go to the bathroom by yourself. Uh, and so you take all of that and then you take the warrior culture that is associated with the military, that warrior culture that's associated with, you know, the Viking culture, Norse, you know, Norse culture, things like that. And it's very easy to draw those parallels between the two. And mm-hmm. I think that lends itself to a big part of it, you know. Um, you know, by and large, the military is maybe was at this point. I don't know. Um, a warrior ethos culture, you know, it mm-hmm. is actually the warrior ethos is actually a thing in the military. And so, when you look at that and you look at the parallels to, you know, Viking culture, it makes sense mm-hmm. why it would be a thing. Um, you know, we do see it with like, you know, Spartan culture, but that's even that's even less so, despite the fact that there's so much iconography on bases about, you know, Greek culture and so on and Roman culture and so on, Viking culture really stands out. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's either due to a matter of romanticization of what, you know, going on a Viking was, but I think it's also just correlated to that sense of we are together doing one job. Even if we don't know each other, we are now brothers and brothers and sisters in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense. It's just, yeah, it, the Viking one always seems to stand out. And I always wondered whether that was because, because I'm in this, this world, I noticed it more, or whether like Viking symbolism was more than other warrior cultures, like you mentioned with the Spartans, the Romans, the Greeks. Because I've seen little bits of like Spartan helmets on things, but the one for me, I always, but maybe it could just be a case of that I picked up on it more because I, I know what it is. And I do, especially the Valkyrie, the Valkyrie always seemed to be one that I that I saw whether it was drawn or badges, um, that and the Punisher, the Punisher face. But well, that's a little bit different. That that's one that I, I seem to have seen a lot of as well. Um, but the Val, yeah, the Valk note one. Um, and I don't. I, I always wondered why. I think if we go a little deeper, for some, right? Uh, Odin is also a war god. The Valknut is associated with Odin for to to a lot of people, right? So that might also be be one of the 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 ways in which that that one becomes more and more popular in um, as a symbol, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the other things is that, you know, you go into the military and you've never had a tattoo in your life, never really thought about one. More than likely, at some point, you're getting a tattoo. It's just one of those things. You go to any service member out there, and I guarantee you they either got maybe one or two tattoos, small or large, there's a tattoo there. And so there's a very old practice where you get 
protective symbols tattoo. And so you get like the vault nut, you get the Aegis Oliver or the Helm of Oz, some people know it. You get uh, the Vegbasir, you know, mm-hmm. all these things, of course, correlate to like, especially when you're on deployments. And so it's like, hey, I want to be protected while I'm out there. Hey, I want to be able to find my way home. Hey, I want to, you know, say, hey, if I go, I go. And I'm prepared for that. It's a, it's a way of showing that strength or asking for strength. And mm-hmm. so I think other reason why it pops up is I mean, so like I got my first tattoo when I was in the military as well. And I was looking at protection symbols and like that. And of course, the very first thing that pops up to me every single time was the Aegis Helmet or the Helm of All. Mm-hmm. And of course, looking more into it, looked more into it, tried to really understand where it came from, what happened. I went down this entire, at, uh, <laughs> as they call it, wormhole of the internet trying to figure out things. And I finally settled on it. I said, yep, I'm getting, I got it. And I actually have a tattoo. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a quote unquote Viking symbol per se, but more of a Icelandic stave that was made later. It still correlates. Mm-hmm. For sure. That that's an argument I've had with people so many times online. Because <laughs> I it, I I the helm of always always one that I kind of I'm unsettled on whether I would call it a a Viking symbol. What what do you think? Matthias, because obviously it, it, I know we've spoken about it before, but it is referenced obviously in Fafnir's lair mm. when before probably after Stig has killed him, I think when he goes in, and there is a reference to something as the Helm of Art. I'm guessing it's not that symbol. Well, I mean, we we don't know what what the symbol looked like if uh, like in 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 that uh, reference. I think it's Snorri Sturluson uh, who 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 mentions it. We don't know exactly what what that would have looked like because Snorri didn't do a drawing or anything. <laughs> so, so imagine uh, if he did. How much better and easier would that have been? Right. If he'd have just done as a little sketch on the side. <laughs> so yeah. So 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 there's there's not there's not any um, any depictions from like the the twelve hundreds that they can give us an idea. But then we have uh, later um, um, manuscripts, right? And there's most people would be familiar with the Hul manuscript from what is it, the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where we, we get the vague VC as well. Uh, but there's like, there's really a bunch of manuscripts out there. It's the so-called Galtra Bekir. Um, so that just means like magic books um, that have a, a lot of uh, seagulls in them. And, most of them are not half as interesting as the ones that people have picked out that have now become like the most popular ones, like the Aishyalmur and the the um the Vavisir. Like most of them are like very much just like some idiot's doodles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. It's so very obvious. <laughs> I think there's like one, it's just like a smiley face with like a bunch of like uh, sort of uh, <laughs> um, lines coming out of it and then like little doodles at the end, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. That's that's what my drawings would be like if I did like a manuscript. It'd just be, it'd be smiley faces and dicks, let's be serious. <laughs> that's, it would, that's all it would be. Because, you know, it's like, if you get a pen and paper, you're leaving a dick for somebody. They're like, this guy's obsessed with driving dicks. Like, yeah, we all are. All men are. 
<laughs> Give us a writing impl- <laughs> implement and a, <laughs> and a pen. That's it. <laughs> you know I'm right. I don't. You both pretend you don't. But... I I know you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I was just I just watched Super Bad the other day. That's um, I think that's where I get it from. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, um, why do you think that the Valk note would be so often used with the with the military? Because I, I mean, it's because of this. Uh, it's modern popular association with Odin. Um, there's not a the, the, there's not a lot that can tie it into Odin in the Viking Age and and. Uh, in sort of like a prehistoric context, but um, but 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 nowadays it's been known as, as sort of like a symbol of Odin. Um, there's also some who say that it's like a, a it's a symbol of the the uh, the cosmos. So it's like the three triangle interlacing and sort of like the the three uh, main parts of the cosmos, like Middle Earth in the uh, in the middle, and then you know Ausgarder, the home of the gods, and and uh, depending on what uh, people focus on, sometimes the underworld or Utgarder or Jotunheimer, depending on what they they want to call it, right? So, so um, so the, the, the people people get a lot of like uh, different associations from it, and I think that's uh, that that's part of it. So when we go back to the Viking Age, um, we see it. I mean, it is it is an original symbol from the Viking Age. Uh, we mm-hmm. don't know. We don't really understand the context. One of the most sort of like imposing uses of it that I've seen is is on um, the um, picture stones from the island of Gotland, uh, off the coast of Sweden, where mm-hmm. you have like these. Uh, huge picture stones, some of them, um, probably from like the 800s. It's like they're they're in the peak of the Viking age, pretty much, right? The the, the pagan part of the Viking age, and there are like these very obvious sacrificial scenes where, like, it looks like somebody is being um, either. It, it's really difficult to see exactly what it is that's happening, but it kind of looks like he's being drowned in something. In the meantime, you have a bunch of warriors standing behind the person who's drowning this figure, and uh, it looks like they're banging a shield or or something like that. And then there's a, a flying bird over it and uh, over the scene, and also then the Valknut that's uh, it's, sort of like weirdly pointing towards the guy who's uh, who's being sacrificed. Is so, that the one that a lot of people say is a blood eagle? Uh, could be, could is that the be. same one. Yeah, I, I haven't heard this. If I'm remembering correctly, it's Stora Hamas, um, that we're dealing with here. Uh, so this is the scene that I'm talking about. It's not really clear what's happening here, um, except it does very much look like somebody is 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 sacrificing someone else. There's like this weird bird figure or whatever that is that's like flying right behind the person doing so- it. So anybody just listening, anybody just listening to this, if you want to pop onto Google, it's Stora Hamas. So that's S-T-O-R-A space H-A-M-M-A-R-S. And then you'll see the the stone. Can you zoom in on that, Mateus? If you hit, did you zoom in a little bit? Oh, there we go. There we go. 
Yes, yeah, so this is the one I was. This is the one I was thinking about. With um, I've seen people claim that this is a blood eagle. Uh, obviously, you have this this bird here that looks like an eagle mm-hmm. or a raven, I guess. And then uh, you've got the Valknut and the guy kind of bent over. And I, I, it's like really difficult to see what is actually happening here. Maybe he's getting decapitated. Um, and maybe this this guy who's who's doing whatever he's doing to him um, is holding a spear, like it, it's yeah, or an axe. Who knows? So if we, um, I guess if we move on to, I guess a, a maybe a slightly more serious topic, um, which is one we I guess we've discussed on here a couple of times. Obviously, Mara, we we first met under not the best pretense, I guess. Um, which is I don't know if you if you want to explain or or me. Yeah, I, I can I can. Um, so when I st- I started my Instagram as a way to meet up with new people and also to catalog my own journey into North paganism. Um, and of course over the course of time, I've at least had some people who have come out and said some very racial racial thing to be uh, there was the last situation which um dad referred to is this guy who sent me a message but then sent me i have to accept it and then he sent another piece of it in like a shadow mode or something like that so that it would delete as soon as i left the chat oh kind of like a like a snapchat type type situation kind of hide as soon as as soon as I leave the chat and I was like, well, do you not realize that I can just screenshot this? This is the <laughs> so, I mean racists aren't always the smartest of people. So I I you know I snapped I screenshot it, posted it, and when I whenever I post things like that, I'm I'm really posting it because I want people that I follow, friends that I have, that if they are following this person or if they have this person following them, they understand who this person is. I'm not trying to be vindictive or malicious or trying to call people out of their names. It's really just bringing awareness to, hey, this is the type of person that is here. If you have him, now you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're all celebrating the, 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 the dog visit that we just got right there. <laughs> she'll, she'll do it probably a couple more times throughout this week, probably. Um, but, you know, with that, I posted it and you know, I looked up the gym, like, hey, yeah, this is what's going on, you know, and he clearly didn't even understand the mythos because what he said, what do you think we were saying was, was borderline just sad. You know, he's talking about how I'm the spawn of Muspel and Loki. I'm like, you know, Muspel times lakes, right? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, I dishon you know, I dishonor ancestors because I'm like, um, and you know, I'm like, you know, by your own logic, by saying I am the spawn of Loki, you are now indirectly putting me in the category of the mythos. <laughs> yes. I, I yeah. joke at this because it's it's funny to me. But okay, hey, I'm this if I'm another spawn of Loki, I mean, hey, I'm I guess I got my good looks from somewhere, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's one of these topics that we, we've we discussed on here a few times. And 
it's the sad thing is we can speak about it and how it's wrong, but the people that are listening to this podcast by now aren't the kind of people that need telling that this is wrong either. Um, so we kind of get stuck in this this weird situation, I guess, of where we're telling we're we're already telling people who who know that you know who aren't like that. I mean, there's something to be said for, you know, new listeners. I hope we get them, uh, Zoo. And that uh, new listeners also uh, come in here with, they have their different ideas about things. And some, I hope, can be educated on on these issues. I, mean, I don't mm-hmm. I don't think we actually mentioned it, but those for, for those who are listening, uh, Mario, you're, you're a black man. And uh, and and that's that's the bullshit that you then face once in a while, this racism, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. People, people talking about um, a heritage and saying th- saying things like, uh, "Oh, it's not your heritage," and, uh, and I'm like, and as somebody who I guess then qualifies as somebody whose heritage it is, like I'm a fucking Scandinavian, right? Um, uh, I, I I have to ask, like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I, I like I see this I see this so often like uh, people uh, people talk about like how they want to connect with like some ancestral heritage when it comes to Nordic mythology and it's like sure yeah but you know what I think just fucking do it for if this is 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 like a philosophy or a worldview or a way of thinking about things that fits for you like that works for you it doesn't have to. Uh, you don't have to have any like blood relations or anything like that. Um, it, no, it's all, it, it's all made up anyway. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing's just so nonsensical to me. I don't understand it. It's so when you, when you really think about it, it's at what point does it really matter? Like where, like where people were born because everyone in America, they or in, in the USA, technically most of them all come from Europe or maybe if they're natives probably walked over the Bering land gap from Siberia at some point so it's like so is nobody technically from the US or the original peoples in the UK that came over from Europe is nobody from the UK because when you go back far enough then there's no one there so at at what point does it stop or is it just that it stops at the point of the history that you're relating to or the point you want to make Mm-hmm. So it's like with people with Vikings, like, oh, well, in the Viking age, they were mainly white. I think, well, it's not the fucking Viking age. So shut up. <laughs> it's it's that simple. Like, it's not. We don't live in the Viking age. It's 2021. If people yeah. want to, you know, and just enjoy whatever you want to enjoy. And it's, I imagine these people, like, most of them, you don't get to see them. And I always try to have a look at their Instagrams or their, their Facebook page. But you guarantee that they will, whether knowingly or unknowingly, enjoy things every single day of their life that come from other cultures. Whether it's one of them might go shoot a gun. Well, guess what? The gunpowder probably comes from, well, it started out in China. So what? You can't fucking have the gunpowder no more. Or there'll be something else that comes from another culture. Like, just enjoy it. Racially pure Northern Europeans hunting with spears. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> they yeah. like, well, who fucking came with the first spear? Like, or, or anything. It's, one too. <laughs> it's, I just, I don't understand it. And that's kind of, I think what makes it even more frustrating is just that I can't, 
seem to comprehend why anyone would ever think. But it's also yeah, the problem is also that there is like uh, this idea, um, which you know you, you sometimes uh, see like in sort of a quote unquote benign way that that there is something special about like Scandinavian genes or Scandinavian blood. I get this like in uh, like very random situations where uh, somebody who's from somewhere else in the world will will, will say that just casually, oh. Oh, but you guys have good genes and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no. Do you guys know how many evolutionary bottlenecks we've been through because of famines and plagues and all that stuff? We have been cultivating some some very serious genetic diseases up there. Oh, oh <laughs> I yeah. I don't know why that's a good thing. <laughs> I look at people with that type of ideology and thought process. I sometimes wonder if it is, and the way I like to think about it is that there is a insecurity within their own identity. Like mm-hmm. they have an understanding of who they are as a person and as a personality. And so they latch onto a idea and they follow a trend that gives them some sense of security. Now, mm-hmm. whether it's good or bad, it's all dependent, but I think that that is probably the biggest seed of it. You know, there's, it's just that they feel lost, especially within the modern age, as it were. And they don't know how to self-identify. Mm-hmm. So they think an ideology that allows them to feel powerful. Mm-hmm. For sure. You've, you've hit the nail on the head, I think, with insecurity, because that's what it comes down to. And it's not just with, with culture. I think humans in general are just incredibly insecure. I was talking to Eddie, the, the guy that works with the day, uh, just about how people people struggle to be happy for other people. So, like, if if something good happens to their friends, there's this innate, innate, innate feeling of jealousy or anger, or because someone else has got one or something. You know, something's good happened for them, so that somehow means that you're doing worse, or somehow has a negative effect on you. And so many people just get this feeling and aren't able just to be happy for other people they kind of just look at somebody and go no that's nice you've done you've done something good there or something nice has happened to you well done for you that's really cool and i think that's similar to how it is with this is that some people look at it and go oh this is my culture this is this is like white european culture and they see someone like you that's enjoying it and respectfully clearly taking the time to learn it and they go Oh well, that doesn't quite fit. This is this is mine, and you're somehow going to take it away. And it's like, well, no. You here's a thing. Why do you both just like it at the same time and then talk about it and enjoy it together? It doesn't. But I think people just have this feeling that it's one or the other. It can't be be both together. It's 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 all mine. Or if if you come over, then you're going to steal it away. And it's like that's not how shit works. We all can just. Get on. Just fucking enjoy stuff together. Right, I'm off. That's me done. <laughs> Soapbox moment. <laughs> That's it. You're, you're right. So, um, you know, my experience with everything and, you know, with North, with North Paganism, I tend to want to come from a point where I'm trying to learn as much as I can. I find that there are parts of North, North Paganism that really, really resonate with me. And if I look back at the 
experiences in my own life, I can see that this was, I was in a way being pulled to this path all this time. And this is just my spiritual path that I've chosen. I feel like I was called to it, but at the same time, I chose to, to follow through with it. And I'm walking this now with a respect for everything that has come before, but also looking at what is now and what is possibly to come. Mm-hmm. I try to I try to avoid like all the dogmatic views of things. Uh, I like having conversations with people, uh, especially on my Instagram. Like if, I, if somebody has a, has something they want to talk about, please message me. I will talk with you because I'm just curious. Maybe you're going to tell me something that I didn't think of, and it's like, huh, now I've learned something new, mm-hmm. and I can use that as a way to also enhance my own life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you said before that you didn't get into sort of North Pagan paganism from the military, which is, I guess, where I stupidly assumed where it would have started. Um, how did it, how did it, where did it, where did it all start? Is it, is it something that was passed down from parentage or are you kind of the first one who's taken this, this route? Oh, I'm, I am hundred percent the first, I believe, I believe anyway, in my family to go on the Norse pagan route. Um, now I can say like I said, that it did not start for me as going into the, diving into the brutal hole of Norse paganism in the military, but I will say the seeds were put there from even back then. Um, if I go, let me kind of bring this everything back full circle here. Um, so in my own life, I started off with no religion, no faith system when I was a kid. Then I asked my parents because they, you know, in the 90s, you had all these shows, you, know, you watched, um, Ten Commandments every Easter and all the other things, right? Christian background. Um, and I did not have a reference for it. So I said, hey, come on, mom and dad, can you take me to church? Went and okay, I'm in awe of the church building, but I just felt disconnected from everything. But of course, time went on, I still just kept going and going. Um, then my folks and I moved out out of the country to Belize, where my parents are actually from. With that, you know, taking care of my grandfather before he passed away. But on my mom's side of the family, it's very much a very Budon, Budon um, type culture. Now, at the same time, they still told me to go to church. So it was that disparity between, okay, we're doing pagan like things, but you're still sending me to church every Sunday. It was just all confusing, and I just kind of pulled away from from all of it. It just made mm-hmm. sense to me, and I just started looking at philosophy of life, you know, martial arts, things like that. But at the same time, and I'm going to call credit to, um, you know, video games in a way. The image of Fenrir from Final Fantasy was my first intro to speak to anything Nordic related. Oh, wow. <laughs> But even from even before that, I was always going out into the rainforest of Belize, getting out in the nature, because that's where I felt the most calm, where I felt better than anything else. Now, fast forward years later, and I'm in the military, and of course, I told you I'm looking at my tattoos, and that you know, the Ada Solomon keeps popping up. So, of course, that really leads to my first big seed of Norse mythology and Norse paganism. As I started doing the research of it, trying to understand the symbol, understand 
stories associated with it that um then moving of course years later after i get after i got the military i'm with my fiance now um i had kind of developed this point where i still believed in something greater than myself but didn't have a name for it and i kind of just relied on my own strength my own power my own ability to make things happen but i was unsatisfied with that um Mm -hmm. You know, especially when you're having a rough time, you're dealing with, you know, mental health issues as far as PTSD and other things like that. I wanted to, I needed some, everybody has something they want to call to, no matter who you are, no matter what you really believe in, Mm -hmm. everybody wants to call on something greater than themselves, especially when they're in a rough time. So. Oh, absolutely. I think it's, it's a natural thing that makes, probably just makes it a little bit easier in the moment. Yeah. So with that, I started looking at, different things and looking at looking at different paths and faith systems but what kept coming back to me were norse pagan iconography ideas um thought processes and even my own looking at my own history and looking at my own um experiences in life where i grew up with i i raised myself in a way where i love books i love reading about tales of you know courageous warriors and people with honor and so on. And of course it has affected my personality in a way to a point where I cannot stand people that don't have a shred of honor to them. It will irritate me to no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I live my life in a certain way. So with that, um, I really looked at Norse paganism very strongly, but with that, I still had to do a lot of research, understanding, you know, what my perception was versus what the reality was. And then also the hindrances and possible negativities that were present, you know, because mm-hmm. one of the most is that unfortunately it does get a bad rep, which Absolutely. totally unwarranted when you understand what it actually entails mm-hmm. versus the perception that everybody has about it. So um when i finally made I, when i was i was really dissecting my decision trying to decide i was going to really jump down this path and i ended up with a sign as it were <laughs> everybody says you know give me a sign and well there it was um to this day i still keep that you know to my you know to myself because i feel like that was really meant for me mm-hmm. um, yeah. but that solidified it 100 percent for me and I have not looked back since. It's been a roller coaster ride of new thoughts, new knowledge, uh, emotions going crazy at times. <laughs> oh, feeling, sure. Feeling like I'm losing my mind and <laughs> getting anxious. There was a, a point, actually, at one point where I was stressing out. And I, I almost wondered, like, is this what Odin felt like when he was trying to prepare for Ragnarok? Just. <laughs> losing my mind trying to take care of things mm-hmm. and you know it's it's helpful for me because the the stories of the gods they present themselves very humane and yes these are deities but they're not they're not perfect they're not they're subject to thoughts emotions um tempers and even their own hubris and so it helps me to understand myself in a, in a way. 
And as I look at the stories um, in the Eddas and even just like Babamon, it's almost like, I feel it's, to me, it comes off as like a grandfather telling his grandson's stories. And that to me is great because I did have a great relationship with my grandfather who, you know, was another soldier himself in World War II. And he would uh-huh. talk these stories, but they were always kind of disjointed because he also had, he had Alzheimer's, but he would lose himself depending on what he was talking about. And so mm-hmm. in a way it correlates exactly with how the Eddas and how the Hobbit all is written and, you know, told. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. now here I am on this path and <laughs> loving every minute of it. Good. Good. I'm glad. Um, I guess, th- what do, what do your family and friends think? Because like you said, do you have the, the this culture can have a little bit of, a negative connotation, especially when things happen like the the storming of the Capitol building, you get that fuck note up there with his oh, that guy. tattoos, and and, it, and it, but it does it get it then thrusts it out into the into the media sphere, and it's all over the news, and then people who aren't heavily involved in this world see it, and then just assume that everybody that's into this stuff is is racist. So I I, I kind of wondered what. Maybe like what your parents thought of you taking this path and whether they had that kind of preconceived notion of of like why would you go in this direction if it's can be quite negative in that way. Um so as far as my parents are concerned, they, they didn't care. They were saying, Hey, what you gonna do, what you gonna do? My brother, the exact same way. Um my, you know, though he did, though my, though he did, and my sister did also recommend, you know, hey, look into other, look into other things as well. While I was on my path looking for uh, path to follow, um, once I settled on it, they were fine with it. They had no issue with it. And as far as my friends, uh, I have a very tight circle of fat, uh, tight circle of friends, and most of my friends are actually pagan as well. Um, and those that aren't don't have an issue with me at all. They don't consider the um, problematic in any way. Um, and that's fine with me. And even when I meet people out, I, I wear my millionaire proud. I don't hide it. I don't, I wear it outside of my shirt at all times. And mm-hmm. I, people ask me about it. And in which case, I, tell them the truth i'd say yes i'm norse pagan i reference different things about it so they can understand what it is versus what it isn't mm-hmm. and i think end up leaving with either thought processes or they want to explore more sometimes sometimes they even come back and talk about it after mm-hmm. they've done their research which is great um that i think that's so important because especially you you know you wear it and you wear it proudly because that must confuse some people some people that have automatically got this this preconceived notion that that I guess it maybe it happens more in the US than over here because I could wear my milner like outside down the street and I don't think anyone would bat an eyelid. I don't think anyone would care. I don't think anyone would think twice about it. No one's gonna say, oh, oh you you're racist or anything like that. But you do hear stories of that happening in the US where people wear the wear the milner out and it can be seen as being quite negative. So I guess anybody who's got of that opinion, and they see you walking down the street with a millionaire, their head must fucking explode. 
<laughs> I definitely think so. <laughs> like, wait, what? Oh, hold on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I don't, I mean, there, are, there are definitely uh, communities in the U.S. where um, uh, where like you could get yeah getting trouble. Like um, I think I've referred to a friend of mine before who's gotten they're American but have uh, have a Norwegian ancestry and just really actually has has a Mjolnir because it's it's part of like. Norwegian heritage more than anything. They don't believe in Nordic gods or anything like that. They just have that, and uh, it looks cool, doesn't it? It does look cool, yeah. Um, and they don't really feel like wearing it anywhere because they're worried that they're gonna take shit for it. Uh, that's for so that's so sad, right? Yeah, <laughs> it really is, and that's why you know I, I I've said it a million times on here. And I say to anybody that I ever engage these conversations with that it's so important that as a community, we are very outwardly spoken about this. Because I go I got into a conversation yesterday with a gentleman because I'm a knob and I troll people on Facebook. And he was he was of the mind I was saying earlier about how this is white European culture. And, and it's kind of like, it's such a sad word to say, but it's like taint, if you, it's tainting it if you, if like, non-white people get involved in it and it's like and he's trying to defend himself saying you know i'm obviously the typical thing of i'm not racist this is just like our culture and it's like well first of all that's just a fucking stupid sentence shut up and then it's just um i completely forgot what i i went off uh i was ranting that hard then that my fucking <laughs> brain just <laughs> completely fizzed out no but i uh I go into the conversation and, and, and people people who are reading it, I guess, get a little bit confused and they say about how, you know, oh, you know, it's, it's not, you're not necessarily saying anything wrong. Why why should we, the, the common one you see is, why should we feel bad for being, for being white or whatever? Or why should, uh, that that's one that pops up a lot. Or, um, yeah, just that, that kind of basic thing of right people right it's, 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 it's this idea that um that uh a, basically because what these if i remember the screenshot you sent me correctly right it's basically oh, yeah. arguing that this this is like a, a culture that is for white people mm-hmm. right so yeah i think to, to clear my previous run that i lost my fucking brain on <laughs> to give it a little bit of context so basically a guy posted an image saying um, like what, like Nordic culture against white supremacy, or some uh, against white supremacy, or something like that. That that kind of image. That, that's unless you're a dick, you can't really find fault with. It was mm-hmm. just a, a just something he posted, and he's just like, look, there's a community like we we should be against this. And this gentleman was like, oh, but why should we be so apologetic of because we're white? Like it's our, it's our culture, we shouldn't be. And it's like, but you you're missing the point completely. Like you're you're in this bubble of like this little situation going, oh, this is mine. You can't take this away from me if anybody else likes it. Whereas in the reality is as a community, we need to be outwardly saying to people who aren't involved in this culture, look, this is not what we're like. Because unfortunately, the average Joe sees things on the news and goes, okay, they're all like this. 
when the reality is it isn't. And unless we, as a community, speak out against that and make it very much clear that that is not who we are or what we agree with, then people on the outside will keep assuming it, like the people who judge people with for wearing a Milner. And I think I got there in the end after <laughs> losing my mind for a second. <laughs> But no, it's uh, I, I agree. It's um, it, it, first of all, there's nothing wrong. Like, unless you're a racist, there's nothing wrong with saying I'm an anti-racist. Like, mm-hmm. like it, it, this can never be a problem. <laughs> if no. you know what I mean. Like, uh, <laughs> so so anybody who wants to, uh, <laughs> like, if there's a situation where somebody goes, "Hey, I'm an anti-racist," regardless of uh, of whatever context, they say, "I'm an anti-racist." I I want racism to uh, get the fuck out of here and, and and never to be seen again. And some of you goes like, "Yeah, well, well, what about my 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 pride in being a white guy?" And it's like, "No, shut the fuck up." I, I, can... I don't want to hear it, man. <laughs> like, there's, there's there's no room for that. <laughs> like, the problem, the problem is, is that everybody just needs to go. Yes, yes. <laughs> and yeah, then the thing is, the <laughs> ultimate pride is wanting to share with other people. Because if I'm proud of something, I want to share it. If I carve a, a sweet horn, I'm like, look, everyone, look at this. This is really cool. So if you're really proud of, quote, unquote, your whiteness or your white culture, then you should be happy to share it with other people and go, look, look at this cool shit that we that we have in like the Nordic culture and the Norse mythology. Come and enjoy it. Like, more the merrier. Come and, come and read the stories. Let's all talk about it. It doesn't have to be, this is mine. You got stay away. It's... True pride is wanting to share. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and and even going further there, you could also say that the the, the culture doesn't have any skin color. Like, no, it, it, it doesn't come with a fucking skin color <laughs> in that way. So, so why 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 should it um, why should it even matter? <laughs> I mean, how I look at that is okay. People say, you know, well, I should be proud. You know, I should be proud to be white. And I'm like, well, tell you what, no one said you didn't have to be proud of your heritage and your culture. Nobody said that. Or if they did, they need to be punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> here's the thing. You look, if you want to really take into context, let's go back into historical world. The Norsemen were not just Vikings, they were also traders, they were also farmers. They brought things back from other cultures into their own. They took things from their culture and brought it to other people. It was a common thing. That's how trade happens. And so, oh, yeah, but people want to ignore that when it doesn't suit their narrative. Obviously, I mean, of course, you know. But if even at this point, you look at okay, a lot of people want to bring up, and this is this this was bothering me about my cousin at one point. Like, you know, they, you know, they took slaves. And I'm like, guess what? Every culture in the world took slaves at mm-hmm. some point in time it's nothing new mm-hmm. now where people get really upset is because their connotation when they think slaves immediately goes to of course the transatlantic slave trade and things like that through the west indies and africa and so on and don't get me wrong that was really messed up but <laughs> slavery was a thing you know i'm not saying it was a good thing but in the same way, it did also change the entire scope of the world because cultures were brought up, were brought to different places. People were brought to different areas. There is a lot of 
what's the word I want to use? Um, transference between cultures because of this. And so mm-hmm. you want to be proud that, hey, you're, you're, you're a Scandinavian person. Be proud that you're a Scandinavian person. No problem with that. You want to be proud that you're Albanian. Be proud that you're Albanian. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem comes where they look at it and say, okay, this is only for a certain type of people, but historical evidence proves otherwise anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, oh, yeah. Say we're not living in those times. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But we live in a modern day. Get over it. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I very much agree with you on that, and and, and especially like in in uh, in the Americas, like what, what we what we have now in in a country like the United States is a mix of a lot of different people from a lot of different places. Those people who who are actually uh, uh, really trying to take away people's cultures are the ones who say that all oh, all of these uh, dudes who came from. Uh, Europe, they're, they're just white people. They, they, they're not people with, you know, cultures and ethnicities. They just like put on to skin color and that's it, right? And, and um, in the same way, what, what, what I find uh, incredibly problematic is when, um, when all these different peoples who live here are not allowed to share whatever has been brought here from so many different places at this point right i mean um that, uh, that's the insane thing is that the usa is made up of so many different cultures so many different peoples moving there and all coming together to build what arguably could be some people will say the best country on earth whether you agree with it or not they're they're a powerful country and it's made up of tons well Tons and tons of different immigrants. That's just a fact. Like that's what it is. Mm-hmm. All coming together, putting their culture, their ideas together to make this to make this country what they want. Kicked us fuckers out. They're like, no, we don't want to, not you guys. We're gonna do it ourselves. But then when they when they build it up to a certain point, they go, Oh no, 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 no. But but now, now it's ours and we don't want to share it with anyone else. Like we don't want to have the other cultures now. Like, well, gotta pick and choose, man. Yeah. yeah, it's just a, it's just a, it's just a tough situation, I guess. Um, and it's just it's sad that it, that it happens. It's sad that we have to have the conversation. Um, it's just something that, but I don't. The other thing is, I don't necessarily see it disappearing anytime soon either, which is unfortunate. I mean, Mary, I don't know how often you get shitty messages or things like that i know from my personal experience from the models we've used it happens pretty much you know if we post a model you know our clothing with a the black model or anybody who's not white typically we might get like one comment on every post so it's it's enough that people feel brave that's the other thing it's that people feel brazen and comfortable enough to fucking say it and just that's absolutely insane. Like, obviously, this this guy messaged you in private, thinking he wasn't going to see it. But like, people post on our post, comment on our post, straight up using the most abhorrent things, like just straight out with the N word or referring to black people as monkeys. 
like all sorts of fucked up shit, which we just block, delete, report. We have like a zero tolerance. We don't, I don't share it because I don't want to give anybody any clout for it. It's just fuck off with that. But it's just the, that anybody even thinks that it's okay to put that out there publicly. Like it, it's fucking mind boggling. Like the, they type that out and think, yeah, I'm going to hit send here publicly. That's all. It's okay to do that. Like fucking smash your head against a wall. Like it's, your brain must be mashed potato. It's for anybody that's not English, that's potato that you mash up. I don't know if you have it. <laughs> we really like it up here in the north of England. You just smash it up, put some butter in some garlic. It's really nice. That's how we do it in Denmark too. Pretty <laughs> <Be> nice, actually. <laughs> so yeah, no. I I mean, how often does it happen? Is it is it rare, or are you finding more or less? Um. So I've only I've had a handful of those. Um. And I've, I've had some, like, the ones that I tend to post are the ones that are just really out there. And most time, because they're they're so funny, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. I had, like, I think one of my first ones was this guy saying that, well, if I can be, you know, Norse Pagan, he can be a, he can be a Zulu warrior. I'm like, um, you do know that Norse Pagan is a spiritual path and a faith system zulu is actually a tribe of people <laughs> mm-hmm. um and, and and you you could you could probably argue that if a, if a white guy went and lived with a zulu tribe and did what they did and adhered to what they were doing and you know just just mucked in with everything else that they probably wouldn't give a shit about his skin color and they would be like yeah fucking come and help us out it's, it's that's I mean, what would happen I mean, it's a thing, but I mean, so like, as far as, you know, how often I get these, it's honestly not very often. I, I mean, I know I get a few more finessed versions every now and then, but it's, it's not a regular occurrence, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. Now, as far as, I, I, I'm going to touch on this right here. Everybody, you know, people focus on followers and things like that sometimes on Instagram and so on. Um, I personally don't care, but I do know that, like, so the guy that the last, the last situation, he had been following me for quite a while and then now decided to say something. So my thing is this, clearly, despite the fact that you might not like what I represent as far as his ideology and so on, his identity, you're still watching my content because I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. So if you don't like me, you don't like what I represent to you. Don't watch. You know, don't just don't watch. And you know, um, if you do like what I'm saying, and it's nothing bad, watch and learn. If you <laughs> have something to teach, if not. Then just you know unfollow and say hey you know what he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about it's, it's a just, yeah just enjoy or enjoy but, and if you don't like it move on yeah but you know if you if you have an issue with anything that I say whether if I said something wrong message me message me with respect and guess what we'll have a conversation and maybe I'll and you know what I might actually say you know what I was slightly off on that let me make a course correction if mm-hmm. now as far as am I going to 
leave this task, well, my personal response is, you can go screw yourself. <laughs> this makes me happy. It helps me to find a sense of peace and calm in myself, and it allows me to be a better person. So to that end, I'm not changing. Sorry. <laughs> not sorry. That's the, nah, that's, that's the the best answer. And let's, let's move on from this topic there. Um, we said we were going to talk about the Volspa a little bit. I know, Mario, you had some questions. Um, Mateus, do you want to, for anybody that doesn't know what it is and what we learn from it, okay. do, your, do your teacher. Thing. Yes. Um, yeah, sure. I can just uh, put on my teacher hat for a second here. So. Give a quick, quick rundown. Verlospau is the title of the most prominent poem in the collection of Eddic poetry that we call the Poetigeta. Um, it, um, it, it, you can sort of like translate the title to, um, uh, the prophecy of this seeress. A vulva is a, is a seeress, uh, a, a female, um, um, seer. And, um, yeah, so this is a, this is an interesting poem because it gives us this whole outline of like cosmic time. We start with the creation of the world and then we move on to bits and pieces about Baldur's death and the first um, the first war in the world and and like a couple other things here and there. But the, the, the two-thirds of the poem is really about Ragnarok, the end of the world. So so that tells you a little bit about the focus that the uh, poet also had is like yeah let, let me let me talk about <laughs> about how shit's going to hit the fan. <laughs> um so so that's sort of a that, that's a, a, a we and just to give you a sense of the age of this poem. Uh the earliest version of the poem we have. So this poem we have in three versions. The earliest one is actually the one that Snorri Sturluson is using as a source when he's writing his prose uh, description of Nordic mythology in, in 1220. Um, the one that you will be reading when, if you pick up a book uh, that says the Poetigeta is usually the one from the Codex Legius manuscript that was found in the 1600s. Um, now this manuscript was written about 50 years after Snorri, so in, in the 1270s. And then we also have another version of it, uh, which is a little later. Uh, this guy named Höker Ellenson, um, who wrote his own little book, where he put in a bunch of stories and uh, included the poem. And that one also features Christ, actually. So, <laughs> so he was like, he was like looking at this material, and he's like, this, this needs Jesus. Um, <laughs> so, so, so that was that was a portion, uh, a part of that. Um, now. Theories about when it has been composed originally range um, vary greatly, of course, but scholarship in general seems to have settled upon late 900s, early thousands. So that puts us in within the time frame of like this is possibly a pagan poet that has composed this, and the theory on like the content and all of that stuff like inspiration that i personally favor is the one that john mckinnell uh now retired professor of uh, durham university in the uk um has put out 
where he's it basically says that because there's like it's very obvious that there are parts of the poem that definitely have been more or less copied from St. John's Gospel um, and perhaps some other sermon content. And John McKinnell has then like tried to explain how that could work out, um, but and still not be sort of like the, the, a Christian creation, so to speak. What he has uh, told us, uh, suggested is that um, basically, we're dealing with a poet who has gone to church, but uh, is probably not a Christian. So he's not been baptized. And so you have to ask yourself in that time period, what does it mean to go to church? And it means that you get let into that portion of the Easter sermon that's all about hellfire and brimstone. And if you don't convert, uh, you're going to spend the rest of your life in hell. So that really explains how uh, this poet could have picked up those bits from uh, from St. John's Gospel in particular, because that's all hell and, and, and hellfire and brimstone and all that stuff. So, so it's probably, uh, in that sense, religiously, or, uh, it's a syncretic poem. It, it, it is mainly pagan, but it samples elements from Christianity that sort of fit into this pagan pagan worldview very obvious that not uh, like the christians to shoehorn their religion into anything no right i mean this, that's <laughs> very <laughs> uncharacteristic isn't it right <laughs> and we also know that this story existed in the 10th century um or elements of the story existed in the 10th century in england right we have the gosforth cross as an example that that has it has an image of Loki bound in the underworld and Segan holding the bowl that's supposed to uh, prevent the, the dragon or, or the snake's uh, venom to drop into his face. Otherwise, he's going to be shaking so much he's making earthquakes. Um, that's what Snorri Sturluson tells us. <laughs> so, so like this, this we know that this story circulated in in scandinavian england at this time right so that would be your neck of the woods um daniel um and and yeah it's uh it's definitely a poem that you know sort of studerson could definitely relate to the content of the poem to christianity that's why he's using it as his main source in his uh in his prose version but as i said also um, they probably also looked at it and thought to themselves, oh, this is, this is some pagan, pagan stuff that we're dealing with here. So, yeah. So is it, is it Odin's, does it start with following Odin to the sea rest? Or? Uh, no, it starts in medias res. So, uh, without much introduction where the vulva she goes kios bidek ala helia kindir meiriuk minimergo heimdaler. She says, "Listen, or, well, she actually, it is kios bidek. Listen to me, or shut the hell up, uh, everybody. <laughs> I am going to tell you something now." And then she calls on everybody uh, uh, who is meiru uh, heimdaler, uh, sort of like the family um, descendants. The implication is, of course, that since Heimdallr is probably the god who has engendered uh, humans, um, at least that's, that we can deduce that from from from, from some stories, 
um then and this makes sense in this context too then um so so yeah um we should probably understand it as children or descendants of of Heimdallik. um and then she says that Valfurder has asked her or commanded her to um uh, to 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 tell this story of the creation of the world and the destruction of the world and everything and and she uh, in stanza two, she goes uh, into like her memory and tells us how she remembered the earliest times um, when the the world tree was just an acorn underground, like in the in the soil, and uh, she tells us that she was raised by giants, which is really interesting. Uh, she remembered that the the, the, the Jachna who raised her. In ancient times, she remembers. She she talks about new Evildir, and it's it's not clear what Evildir means, but it's usually translated to it's like nine mothers ish kind of scenario that we're dealing with here. So again, something that hints at Heimdallr, who has a nine mothers, um, and um, it's I mean Evildir could mean witches or something like that. Um, and then she goes on to tell us about the creation of the world. Um, and we must assume that she was there, right? Because she's she was literally, um, like, she, she was there before the world tree had even grown, right? Um, yeah, and then we, then we get the whole description of how the world was created. Is this kind of like a Mother Nature type? feel um what do you mean mother nature type feel well her kind of like being everywhere and there at the birth of so, of so this is really interesting right because they're, they're like different can okay, so imagine she's not just stood there watching like a just hanging out little, yeah like a little old lady stood there whilst the world's being created i you imagine can... a, a more as an omnipresent omnipotent being you can definitely deduce a lot of things from this. I personally think that what is like the underlying myth mythology that we're actually dealing with here is uh, is one that's quite different from the story that we were uh, would otherwise be familiar with uh, about the creation of the world. This is like with the ice and the fire, and we have this primordial giant named Emir and all of that stuff. That's Snurri Sturluson. That's his stuff. Mm-hmm. So what we what we get in, in the prophecy is um, the, the the Verva tells us that the world was void. And it goes like Arvas Aldathar e Emir Bikti Varasandaniswala Unir and so on and so on. So in the in the ancient times or in the beginning of time uh, when or where Emia lived, but she gives us no other details about him. And she doesn't tell us that he was like a giant. She doesn't tell us that he was slaughtered as Snorri Sturluson does and other poetry does. Uh, she just tells us that he existed there. And then she goes, uh, then she tells us there was no sea, no, no, no beaches, no cool waves, no, no land, um, all of these things. No, and there was no grass as well. So no plants. The, 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 the world was simply void. Then she says, 
until the sons of Bur, Bjorlum um Ipthu. And this is a, um, um, this is complicated to, to translate. Um, it could be translated to something like until the sons of Bur uh, raised the world. And the implication might then be that they raised it out of a primordial sea. So what we have here is a very different um, creation story than the one that Snorri tells us, which is, you know, um, where um, the primordial giant Emir is slaughtered by uh, Odin and his two brothers, Vili and Ye, uh, whom Snorri tells us they're the sons of Bor. Um, that's not actually what the poem really says, so so we can't really make be sure <laughs> that that is true. Um, and then they create the, the world from his body, right? Um, it's possible that the version in, in Vertusbau is actually a much older version that is kind of um, shared across the, 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 the Northern Hemisphere. You see similar types of stories in the Siberian area. Um, the Finnish uh, creation story is, uh, um, as we know it from Kalevala, is, is you know, a story about a, a, a earth mother um, and also a the building of the earth by, I think it's a loon that drops into the sea and then starts building um, a earth on on the earth mother um, by like taking um, mud from, from, from the bottom of the primordial sea. This is a very similar story that we also find in North America, actually. Um, that's where the whole turtle island idea comes from, um, that, that the world is built on the shell of a turtle um, from, from a primordial sea. I like that one. Right? <laughs> that's the one. That's the one I want to be real. <laughs> so, so the, there might actually be two creation stories in in Nordic mythology because the other one with Emir uh, and and the creation of of the world from his body, that one we know from Grimnismal, so Grimnir's sayings. Um, we also know it from Vafrunismal, uh, sayings of Vafrunir, and these are also very old poems, um, and they very they very distinctly. That described this like scenario of the world being built from his body, his flesh turns into the soil, his bones turn into the mountains, and all that stuff. That's also a very old story, but it seems to come from the south. Um, find similar types of stories in the, in for instance, in Vedic mythology, right? So, and actually, I believe there is one one Native American. Uh, um, creation myth is it the Zuni perhaps there's some 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 tribe in the in this American Southwest also has a creation story that's quite similar to the uh, the, the giant um, whose body becomes parts of the world so so like as I look at Volospa and you know as I because like I said way how the edits are structured at least how they've been written out in different variations there's no sense of linear time. Uh, now, of course, when we to understand, to also kind of look at that, there's a point where time isn't the way that we perceive it as it was back then. 
you know, it was, okay, there's day, there's night, there's this many uh, things, but that's about it. You know, I mean, they run on, they run on a lunar calendar rather than a solar calendar, if I recall correctly. Um, and so time, the understanding of time is different. Now, that the fact that the Eddas were compiled, so more likely they were oriented to uh, over the years and Snorri got a handle on each one from different places, that may also attest to that. But when you look at the correlation between different stories, there's some variation where it says that Odin summons the Sirius from death to answer questions about the end of the world, and thus you get the whole prophecy of Velasco from the very beginning to the end. And then, of course, you have Rimnismal, which talks about the beginning of the world. Um, and so one of the things I always kind of wondered about is in that vein, how, how do we look at that? You know, is the Cirrus that he is getting this information from, was it somebody who has, who did die? Because there's constant, there's, in many cultures, they say that the dead know not time nor place. They are with they are everywhere, they know all things, which is why various occult cultures, even uh, even going into ancestral worship, we ask the dead questions because they know what has what has come before, what is now, and what shall come. Mm-hmm. And you know, they always say, "Don't ask too many questions about the future because you know that was a disaster." Um, <laughs> but at the same way, the way you're explaining this, it also seems in a way that the Cirrus is not actually a Cirrus, but how I'm, at least how I'm interpreting it is that she is fate itself. The Norns are the, the, the spinners, as it's called, or the carvers of fate. But what if she is fate itself, just speaking through a medium? Mm. So, yeah, so, okay, so there's a couple of things. Um, so we do have this uh, uh, um, other uh, poem called uh, Baldur's Dreams, um, which is just 12 stanzas, where where Odin does go and, and wake up the vulva in the underworld to gain knowledge about Baldur's uh, death. And then, of course, we have this uh, story called the Shorter Völuspau that comes at the end of um uh, uh so Hindla's song um which is a later poem and they are they, they so Verlusbau Hindlothloth and Baldur's dreams definitely belong to the same sort of conceptual tradition of like uh, a a prophetess telling us something and and then we have to ask ourselves where does that prophetess come from and Su- uh, suggesting that the Vrlva uh, in the poem in, in the prophecy of the Cirrus is sort of from the um, is is fate uh, her, uh, herself is is a very good uh, guess. Um, I, I I very much like that idea. Um, there's also what I was hinting at before is that she's perhaps that creator goddess. Um, that that uh, that we find in sort of like a very deep layer of the myth- mythology, then so it's, it's almost a layer that has disappeared now, right? Um, 
Um, the the question is so so what is what is the relationship between the Nortnir, um, the goddesses of fate, and and the Völva, and you know also a bunch of other female deities and other supernatural uh, uh, female collectives like the Valkyrie or the DC and so on. And that is a very good question. <laughs> like, like <laughs> how do all of these uh, figures relate to one another? Uh, what what is what is really interesting is that if you sort of like um, put them up uh, together, you can definitely sort of draw uh, lines from from each type of female supernaturals being a spirit or deity in the mythology, and then to central concepts like fate, um, control over death, um, um, life, of course, also. And ended up with warriorhood as another thing that is that that they also very often intersect with. We, of course, we know the Valkyrie is the one, the ones who are there to to uh, pick you up from the battlefield and and bring you to the realm of the dead or or choose who dies. But we also have the Deesir sometimes uh, represented as uh, warrior females that um, uh, that follow you. Uh, along uh, the followers of warrior, right? So that seems more companion-like than anything else. And then, then, and then we we have we have other uh, ways that we can attach uh, these female supernatural figures to to uh, to to warriors and and um, and and people in general and functions, right? So the Vulva, she could. So we know that the Völva was a historical figure, right? Uh, not the one in the poem, but but as a as an idea, as 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 a f- person who who existed in in Viking Age Scandinavia, um, we can see great, very very close crossovers between archaeological material and uh, the descriptions that we have in the literature. Um, so, so, so th- they did have female religious authorities that they would go to for various questions. I'm sure, right? Um, and and so that's that's something that ex- that existed. But then, what kind of uh, superstructure of 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 myth- mythology and and ideology was attached to this? Um, and this is this is where it gets really interesting, right? So, Legic. Gardella, um, this uh, um, archaeologist who, uh, who works on on female warriors in, in the Viking Age, um, he's among other things suggested that some of them were like literally war magicians. That like if if you went to war, you would have this vulva with you, who would like making would be making war magic. <laughs> Um, as like a real, real part of of the whole battle, right? That's really cool. I think he just came out with his um, um, uh, his book, Warrior Women or Women uh, in War. I can't remember the t- what the title is exactly, um, but I feel like I saw him post something like yesterday about it. So yeah, uh, I, I saw it a couple of days ago as well. Um, he's he's joining us on the twenty second. So yes. we will be able to uh, ask him ourselves. 
we've that's... had the, we've had that one booked in for about four or five months. We have, yes. <laughs> he's a he's a busy boy, but yeah. uh, that that's an exciting one. Definitely yeah. tune in to listen to that one. Yeah, and so so there that that there are all these uh, uh, different ways in which we can interpret these roles. Uh, both uh, in a in a mythological context and and in a in a historical context, but uh, I mean that they were really fucking important. I think is 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 not an understatement. <laughs> yeah, well, this is uh, it's been fun. I think we're at a point to wrap it up. If you got unless Mary, you've got anything else you want to ask, Matthias? Uh, I mean. Honestly, it's all just very interesting when you look at the historical records, which, I mean, we're finding more and more. You know, I've been trying to keep track of, like, new discoveries that have been happening while still reading about older discoveries. Um, and then you have the more esoteric points that come straight out of the myths. And so that relation between myth and history is very tenuous because I think at some point, when does history become myth and when does myth become history in itself? You know, I mean, if you look just even at the saga of the Balsongs with uh, Ragnar Lothbrok, he is a character who may have actually been real, but he's more so known as a mythological figure. But yet you have um, actual historical people claiming to be descendants of Ragnar Lothbrok. So it's, it's very interesting, um, and I'm just always excited to learn more about all of this as I See? go through every day. Mm-hmm. Well, there's something new here. <laughs> Rabbit hole. Just, just no, you're totally right, and this is this is the thing. This is also why it's so important that we are aware of what we put into the myths about history, right? Um, that we that we make sure to guide them in the right direction. Um, uh, I mean, we we have been doing the Vikings watch along, and and everybody uh, enjoys uh, uh, hearing me bitch about some little detail that's not really historical or something like that. But I would say one thing with a show like that: um, it is creating its own myth about what history was, right? Um, what everybody who watches that show should of course always remember is that it's a story it's the same thing that those people back in the day uh, in 13th century Iceland were very much aware of when it came to these stories about ancient Vikings and their Viking ancestors and sagas and all that stuff they knew that these stories were partially made up this is very clear. They talk about this in the literature in different ways. Some even call them lying stories, which tells you a little bit about their attitude to it, right? Yeah, it's it's crazy. People, some... Let, let's finish the episode how we started with me having a little run. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I myself into a little blood ego run because obviously we had... Um, and we had Luke Murphy on. Um, and so there were people talking about the Blood Eagle and one of the Facebook groups I like to haunt and be people's nightmares when it comes to trolling. Um, and I was like, yeah, look, the Blood Eagle probably didn't exist in the fashion that 
you guys are showing it and you know like the this idea of splitting the back up and taking the ribs out taking the lungs out especially the lungs breathing still was outside the rib cage i was like look probably didn't really exist and then you get met with this idea of people they, they like the idea and it's kind of become this cool thing people like oh yeah i'd love to blood eagle all the bad people in my life it's like <laughs> sure maybe one first of all and um they just disregard everything else like one guy was like oh well everything every, first of all it was a ridiculous statement it was that everything we know about the vikings comes from stories I'm like what about all the fucking historical archaeological evidence like what do you mean it all comes from stories i'm like so that what so that means you believe every story you ever told what santa claus the fucking easter bonnet the fairy the fucking tooth fairy or what about jesus turning water to wine did you believe that it's like what you the idea that so people believe that everything we know about the vikings comes from stories and those stories are 100 true like these weren't just real people who made shit up like mm-hmm. You can't just believe every story you read just because it's written down in a textbook in 2021 doesn't mean at the time when it was written down or when somebody heard it, it wasn't just a bunch of bullshit. And maybe it's true. Or maybe you can look at it and take little bits from it that, that are real. But it could also just be bullshit because when I tell a story, I'm adding a few little lies in there because I want to make the story insane and I want to make someone laugh from it. So maybe it didn't happen quite how I'm telling it. But then when the next person maybe goes and tells their friend, they're going to tell her how I told them and so on and so forth. So the idea that it's 100% accurate is insane. And then the other aspect of it is that some people are like, oh, well, you haven't... <laughs> the other guy was like, oh, well, you haven't actually bloody eagled anyone, so you don't know if it's real. And I'm like, shut up. That's not an argument. I'm like, because medical scientists know that the lungs can't breathe outside of the, the cavity you need the pressure like that's just a thing say like, oh well you haven't really done it so you don't know and it's just like what the, what the fuck do you mean like people they like these, are, these. And, and then he's like he's like oh well you you, know, you listen to your expert and i'm like you watched a program and someone got bloody in it and you think it's cool this guy did fucking years of research on it looked at all the evidence spoke to medical experts Looked at like the stories, the yes, yes, thing. but but has he watched that YouTube video? That's has the he, real question. <laughs> has he watched King Ayla being bloody eagled? On, sorry for the spoilers for anyone who's watching the watch one with us. Being bloody eagled on Vikings, and like it's just like I don't understand how people get so attached to these ideas that they then can't they just won't separate them from it. And I guess to link you back to what we were talking about earlier, this whole idea of culture and it being like this is like my white culture. And like now it's like, I really like the blood Eagle. It's real. And I'm not going to change my mind. It's like people have this, they think that changing your mind is a bad thing. Like you can't just look, listen, listen to an episode of the podcast with an expert on and go, all right, I thought it was real. Now I don't, it's still a really cool idea, but maybe it's not real. And then change your mind. But some people, they just refuse to do that. They just cannot, change my mind all they see has been weak and then we'll we'll just be fucking wrong all your life then i don't care <laughs> nice rant i, like I was it. always gonna have a rant with the way the episode started to be fair <laughs> yes <laughs> mario thank you very much thank you for uh taking the time to speak speak with us it was a wonderful conversation keep doing what you're doing 
he wearing that Milner out and breaking brains every time you walk past someone who uh, has the wrong mindset. Oh man, it's it, it's been fun. It's been educational, and I've had a lot of fun talking to you guys. I'll probably talk to you guys some more. <laughs> Give it more absolutely anytime, uh, anytime. Yeah, it's thank just, you so much for joining us, man. It was really interesting to hear your story and also your perspective on a lot of things. Um, heathen to heathen here. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I mean, guess to like the audience if anybody's just curious about like finding me at all just look up my uh instagram title traveler spear uh very easy to find if you want to have a conversation like i said i'm open let's talk um that's that's the the best way to be and without going back into my previous rant you clearly have a love for this you have a respect for this you want to learn you, you, the way you know you listen to my taste with the, the voice but you picture I'm guessing you have a poetic editor next year that you picked up and was uh, starting to flick through. So, you know, you're clearly on the right path. You enjoy it. You love it. So fuck anyone else who tells you it's the wrong path because I guarantee they probably don't spend the time learning what they learn. They watch Vikings and go, oh, this is my culture. I identify with this. And so who's right? The person who loves who loves it and really identifies with it and wants to learn as much as possible and be open or the guy who's just a piece of shit and wants to tell other people they fucking can't enjoy it. Because I know which person I'd rather speak to anyway. Exactly. I've had a lot of rants today. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mario, you've shouted out your, your Instagram. Uh, yeah, give Mario a follow. You have some pretty cool pretty cool photos on there as well. I was enjoying them earlier. I find nice stuff every now and then. And I'm always trying to get out to nature just to walk around sometimes. And other times, I just find things on the internet that are like, this is cool, and I have an idea that this can work with. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all that matters. Um, Mateus, what about you? Um, yeah, you can always find me on social media. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I hate Facebook, but you can also find me there. Um, Everyone and- remember, send Mateus Facebook request, friend request. He absolutely loves it. <laughs> he wants to. He no, no, no. Honestly, no, no. I can He's he'll say no, but don't listen to him. <laughs> it's his favorite pastime. He's just accepting new people Fuck. on Facebook <laughs> as friends. So just go out there, find it, type his name in, and hit <laughs> hit that invite friend button because he will love it. Well, see, that was the other thing I wanted to uh, to to pitch here. Like, we meet, like, we, we would really like to invite everybody to come to a new Facebook group for the Nordic Mythology Podcast. This is Daniel's little pet project. Um, this is where he gets it's to so shout. So I can stop at, going in all the other ones. <laughs> exactly. This is where you get to shout at everybody about how wrong they are, and and, and nobody can kick you out because it's your group. <laughs> oh no, it doesn't. It doesn't work if they all listen to the podcast because everything I know comes from you. <laughs> so oh, everything I know, everybody else knows. It's got to be other people. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so well, 
I, I can post things in there that happen in other groups. You can do that. I mean, and and people can also like come into the group and then uh, like uh, I don't know, share material that they found elsewhere mm-hmm. that they might want us uh, to talk about on the podcast. We can do a little selection and those kinds of things. So, yeah, yeah. Do and, not uh, ask Mateus to translate your runes, though. Please <laughs> I don't not do that. <laughs> You have no idea oh, how many. <laughs> or do it a lot personally by sending him friend requests and then sending him the rules to translate. No, awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mario. I few last things. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. Hopefully, you managed to get through this episode with all the hiccups we had at the start. Uh, hopefully it comes out great. Hey. Uh, as Mateus said, Naughty Mythology Podcast, we have a Facebook group, but you can just follow our page, Naughty Mythology Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, website's naughtymythologypodcast.com. We are trying to push our YouTube channel. So again, Naughty Mythology Podcast on YouTube, just hit the subscribe button. And I think you can have like a little alert button that lets you know when we drop new videos. We're going to be posting some short sort of three-minute clips from the episodes or little bits of tidbits from the episodes uh teachable moments probably not me ranting um and the last thing is if you really really enjoy the podcast and want to help us out uh our patreon is the best place we have different tiers from five five pounds up to 20 pounds you get different things at each tier every tier gets to join me and Mateus after the show where we watch vikings the tv show episode by episode and let you know what we think so you get a bonus episode you also get to sit in on the episodes live join our live chat where it tends to always be a lot of dick jokes which i'm not really sure um but yeah it's it's good fun so like i say if you if you want to help us out that's the best way it really helps to get new equipment new mateus has a, a nice lovely green screen behind him now when he's recording yeah so yeah. so yeah it really helps us out kind of keep building keep growing keep getting this out to new audiences what i really need is a lot of ant poisoning because like they're like I, I started this episode by saying I had like 17 ants. It, they've multiplied. It's like 30 at least. <laughs> if we it, get to uh, 150 patrons, we will buy Mateus some ant poison. Um, <laughs> there we go. That's a promise. I think and, we're on 112 right now. What is that? Put down in the shape of a dick. <laughs> that, yes. All right. That's it. We get to 150 patrons. Mateus is going to make. And sacrificed in the shape of a giant phallus. Um, that's what we need. That's I what I need it. in my life. <laughs> yes. There we go. That's what's going to happen. 150 patrons. We're on 112, so it's not that hard. Maybe the ants are probably all gone by the time we get there, but... I hope so. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mario. <laughs>